You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down... The likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation! I'm back. Dan Mater, your host, as always, for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we're here with the Week 12 preview for the Thursday Night Football and the early Sunday games. And of course, we will have a mailbag segment for you fans at the end of the show. And for all of those who are wondering, yes, we are at the home studios, which means we are live on Sportscaster right now as we speak. And if you guys are watching on Sportscaster and you want to drop a fantasy football question, go ahead, put it in the chat, and at the end of the episode, I will get to every single one of them as part of the show. My way of showing some love back to MD Nation for all of the great things that you guys do for help expanding the show and listening and being loyal fans every single week, and I can't appreciate it more. And that's how I try to show my love back for you guys. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and get right into it because we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of early games, not just a Thursday night game, but there's a lot of early Sunday games this week. Only four games after the one o'clock games for Eastern time, that is. So we have a lot we have to get to, a lot of content here. We have a lot of injury updates to get you guys all filled in with and make sure that you are making the best fantasy lineup decisions because we are the second game away from the playoffs. That's it. Two count them too. This is a big week. A lot of people have their seasons on the line this week and we don't want to make any drastic mistakes. So we're going to go through all these matchups, go through what we expect, go through what you can bite, sink your teeth into and know that you are getting the best information you possibly can by watching or listening to the show. Remember, this show will be available in audio podcast version a little bit later today on your favorite podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Pinecast, anywhere you go, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. So if you are just listening to this, I'll be describing to you what's going on here. But let's go ahead and jump right into it. 
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So first game up, of course, we have the Thursday night game, which is the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. We have a lot of injuries that we have to update you guys with first before we go ahead and get into what we expect out of each player this game. And starting off with T.Y. Hilton. So look, he was listed as a full participant in practice yesterday, but the Colts did not technically practice. What they did is they gave out an estimation for what they thought he might do, which means they do think he's closer to return rather than not, but he's still listed as questionable with the calf injury. Technically speaking, he did not actually participate at any practices they actually had this past week. So it's still very much a question mark, still very much a game time decision. If he plays, because of the nature of the calf injury, because he's so shaky as far as playing goes, you have to play him because he's T.Y. Hill and he's active and it's a great matchup against the Houston Texans, but... If you have other matchups, if you have safer guys to go with, he's not a must-play for me. He's definitely on the radar. He's definitely someone to consider. He's definitely somebody you can't just write off for any Joe Schmo, nobody. For instance, if you're looking between him and a James Washington, because he could be the number one receiver against Cincinnati Bengals, you play T.Y. Hilton. So things of that nature. But if you've been able to get by without T.Y. Hilton over the past few weeks and you feel pretty good about your team and your chances this week, maybe you don't take the risk because it is going to be a high risk with that calf injury for re-injured. Remember, this is a guy who thought maybe his season was possibly going to be over after he sustained the injury a few weeks ago. And now he's coming back this week on a week that he didn't actually truly practice regardless of what the estimation of the injury report says. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're weighing your decisions on whether or not to play T.Y. Hilton this week. Marlon Mack, we know, is definitely going to be out of this game. Had surgery. We're not exactly sure what his timetable is going to be. We're still waiting on that detail. But as of now, expect Marlon Mack to just miss the next few weeks at least. But he will definitely be out tonight. The guy who's making a surprising return for sure is Jordan Wilkins. We did not think he was going to be able to come back from his ankle injury this early. And this throws a lot of cold water on the Jonathan Williams hype that was the waiver wire. Look, he looked like he's going to be the top guy. It's a good match against the Texans. You don't have J.J. Watt. They're not as good defensively. And the Colts have one of the best offensive lines and have proved it so far and have been able to get a lot of production behind the run. And if T.Y. Hilton was to not play or to not be out 100%, you can figure the Colts are still going to lean on the run as their main weapon and use Jacoby Brissett to offset that. Well, now with Jordan Wilkins... All of a sudden, this could truly become a three-man rotation with Frank Wright. Given his background with the Philadelphia Eagles, this is definitely something he's used to doing. So now, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where you cannot trust the production or the role of any one of the three backs. You know Naeem Hines will be the passing down back. That's true. But they haven't used Naeem Hines that much, even though he's had that role so far this season, which has been kind of odd, especially with no T.Y. Hilton. So even he has been not even quite flex PPR type of a player because they haven't utilized him. And I don't think this suddenly they do now. It's not like his role expands with Marlon Mack out. And they're not going to move to a more pass-first approach unless T.Y. Hilton is for sure on the field. 
then maybe you can look at it. But if you want to base it off of that, that's a hell of a risky play. And I wouldn't be playing Naeem Hines. Now, Jordan Wilkins, and I talked about this in the podcast on Tuesday, I talked about how the fact that he has squandered every opportunity he had ever laid before him. So I don't see why there would suddenly be this uptick. I don't see why he would suddenly be able to carve out this huge role for himself. Look, Jonathan Williams is a guy who's been a a journeyman himself, who's bounced around from team to team. We haven't really been able to see do much. But Jordan Wilkins has squandered every opportunity the Colts have given him. He's been on the roster bubble pretty much all season long as one of the guys that they can move on from if need be at a drop of a hat. And for me to believe that they're really going to rotate him in on an even split with Jonathan Williams after the performance Williams just had against a tough divisional opponent last week, it's hard for me to believe. But because of Frank Reich, because of his background, it's not impossible. Would it shock me if Jordan Wilkins wound up going 50-50 with Jonathan Williams and carries? No, it wouldn't. So having that in mind, you guys have got to find some better options. Because you can't really trust it. You, if he's not going to have a floor, that's the whole reason you would play him this week is because you would trust his floor and what his volume would be. If you can't trust that, it's not like you're talking about a guy who has this playmaking, game-breaking ability. So you definitely have to look for other options besides Jonathan Williams and see how this plays out maybe for the future because he should definitely still be rostered for the simple fact that Marlon Mack is not going to be probably playing anytime soon. So somebody's going to have value in that backfield. And you kind of use this game as a guinea pig. As far as Eric Ebron goes, he is expected to play. Yes, he's listed as questionable. Yes, they didn't actually practice yesterday, and he list, they listed him as a full participant in practice, but he's considered less of a game-time decision and more of a guy who they expect to be active. Look for that to come out later on today. Make sure you're following me along on at MDSFFshow on Twitter for all those player news update notifications that will head your way before the games head out. So next up, we have the Houston Texans here. Will Fuller. Or I should say, next up on the injury list, because we got to get back to the player expectations. But next up on the injury list, we have Will Fuller. He's going to be a game-time decision. We don't know if he's going to go or not. Now, remember, he did practice in a limited capacity all last week, and then was able to do so again this week. So I feel a little bit better about him if he's going to be active in this game, because he did get to have a full week of practice last week. And they waited to play for him, possibly this game. I do believe he is going to play. From what I've been told, they're leaning towards him playing rather than not. But he is still going to be a game-time decision. So we have to still see what he does in pregame warm-ups. But I do expect Will Fuller to be utilized in this game. If he does play, I do expect him to have his wide receiver for boomer bust type of ceiling. If he does not go, I expect the same thing for Kenny Stills. But these guys you can plug and play as flyers. I do think the Houston Texans offense is going to, as a whole, bounce back and put up some big production. This game, I actually have a feeling, could wind up being a sneaky little shootout. Not crazy, not 42-35, but maybe 30-27. to That type of a high-scoring game, I could see that very easily in this matchup, given the way the defenses are set up, given the way the offenses are set up, especially with the Houston Texans, who I do expect to have a bounce-back game. Deshaun Watson, of course, you got to play him. I know it was disappointing last week, but I don't want people jumping off the bandwagon. I don't think most of you will, given Deshaun Watson has been a QB1 for you all season long. And I expect him to have a big game in this one. The Colts' defense is not nearly as good as they're hyped up to be. Yes, they're a good, solid, above-average defense. 
who can stop the run if need be, who are not pathetic against the pass. That is true. But against elite offenses, they don't have trouble moving the ball. They have been gashed in the ground this season. They have given up big passing plays this season when they play against topper edge offenses. Not only do I expect the Houston Texans to bounce back in this game, but I expect Deshaun Watson to be able to go off in this game. I expect him to use his legs. I expect a big fantasy day. So look for him to get going. Look for DeAndre Hopkins. But that's why I think there's, a going, there's going to be a second wide receiver for the Houston Texans who's going to have a good game. And I believe that if he plays, that person would be Will Fuller. But if not, I still like Kenny Stills. I know he's been disappointing, but like I said, in this game, the way the situation is building up, it's one of those situations where you can count on that second wide receiver coming your way. So I do expect the big things out of here for now. Now, as far as Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson go, I don't think you can trust Duke Johnson's floor yet. I know they've been trying to utilize him a little bit more here and there in the passing game, but then they went back to it last week, and he wasn't utilized or targeted at all in a game in which they were getting blown out. So you can't trust his, his floor. You can trust, however, that Carlos Hyde is probably going to get somewhere between 12 to 15 carries and have an opportunity to get in the end zone. And I like his chances to possibly get in the end zone in this one. Carlos Hyde, to me, is an RB3, is a flex play, should be in your lineups unless you have really good players otherwise or really good matchups otherwise. But I actually like his floor quite a bit in this game. I know on paper you're going to see all the Colts, once again, you're going to see that all the Colts are not a great run defense, but are, are a pretty good run defense, I should say. But... Leave that aside. Carlos Hyde has been pretty good against some tougher defenses so far. He's getting those goal line carries. He's going to get the majority of the work. And they're going to have to have some balance of offense against this team tonight. I expect Carlos Hyde to have a solid game. I expect him to have a flex-worthy play. I expect him to score. And there's no reason why he won't. So on the cold side of the ball, we didn't really talk about them too much. Jacoby Brissett, I think he is a lower-end streaming option. If T.Y. Hilton plays, even if T.Y. Hilton's not 100%, that definitely helps his prospects moving forward. It definitely helps him be able to get on the higher end of the streaming territory because he'll have that big play-playing ability. They might lean more towards the pass if that winds up being the case with no Marlon Mack if they have T.Y. Hilton available. But those are some things to kind of like take into consideration. Even if they don't, I think he has a solid floor. This is a guy who runs around quite a bit, and this winds up turning into a higher scoring game and a plus match against the Houston Texans. I do think this is somebody who can get you at least 16 to 18 points, which is all you're really looking for out of a streaming option to begin with, and I do believe he has that safe floor. If T.Y. Hilton can't go, or if you, even if he's out there and he's not 100%, Zach Pascal has been the number one targeted receiver. I know he hasn't been great. But the matchups really haven't been conducive for a guy like Zach Pascal. The matchup has to be right for him to be able to make his mark. And remember the last time he played the Houston Texans, he went for 100 yards and two touchdowns. I like Zach Pascal as a wide receiver for here. He has some upside. I think there's a chance he finds the end zone in this game. And even if T.Y. Hilton plays, it actually could be to his benefit. Because then he'll be have even a better matchup on the opposite side for the second corners, or should I say the fourth corners at this point, because that defense is so banged up. So I do like Zach Pascal quite a bit this game. As far as a plug-and-play for you guys who are hurt on bye weeks or having trouble injury-wise. And then on top of that, I do like Eric Ebron. 
They have to go to somebody in the red zone. He is still a trustworthy red zone target on a week-to-week basis. The tight end position is still putrid. And remember, Jack Doyle didn't have one target last week. Eric Ebron is the tight end that you want to own for the Indianapolis Colts. This is a good matchup. And if they have to lean on a guy for the red zone targets, I believe that will be Eric Ebron. So I do think he is a tight end, too, who has touchdown potential. And that's all you're really looking for when you're looking at different tight ends to go with. That wraps up our Thursday night game. There's a lot to get into because there's a lot of moving parts with a lot of injuries. So we can move on now to our early Sunday games, starting off with Tampa Bay and Atlanta. And this game's going to be really interesting because what to, what do you expect in this game? Does anybody know? Because I don't know if I know. Atlanta Falcons last two weeks in a row, all of a sudden Dan Quinn's no longer the play caller and this defense suddenly looks like what we expected it to be. All those all those times, all these years, quite frankly, because this is a defense we expected to be talented since last year and has been outright pathetic. You're telling me it's because Dan Quinn was the play caller this entire time because that's the only thing that's changed over the last couple of weeks. Now, all of a sudden, going up against Tampa Bay, you don't know what to think. They played great against the Saints. They played great against Carolina. Why wouldn't they play great against Tampa Bay, who already has a quarterback who's the most turnover-prone quarterback in the NFL right now in Jameis Winston? Yes, Jameis Winston's going to play in this game. Yes, he had the ankle injury, but he practiced in full yesterday. He should be good to go come Sunday, which is great news for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who on paper have plus matchups. Now, I don't think the Atlanta Falcons suddenly becomes a top five defense the rest of the way, but with how they've been playing the last couple of weeks, at the very least, maybe they keep playing strong, keep playing motivated against their own division. And I'm a little bit worried about this game. Now, you have to play Evans. You have to play Godwin. I think even some level, you have to play Jameis Winston as a low-end QB, one who, even with his turnovers, because of the heavy volume that they've had, still gets you 300 yards and two touchdowns almost every single week. So I even think on some level, you have to play Jameis Winston. But I have lowered my expectations for what... These aren't guys in situations that I think are automatically going to carry you this week, like you thought they might have leading up into this game before the changes of the Atlanta Falcons happened. And I think you just have to have your expectations in check as a result that they might just have serviceable games. And the reason why that's important, even though you're going to start these guys anyway, is because that can dictate other decisions throughout your lineup. You might need to have some more upside plays in other places where maybe you're looking at more floor plays to make up the difference because it's no guarantee, especially the way the Falcons have been playing defense as of late. Especially since Mike Evans, they've gone back to not being able to get Mike Evans the football last week against, against the Saints, which with no Marshawn Lattimore should not have been the case. So something to kind of keep in mind there. As far as the running back situation goes, yes, of the two running backs, Ronald Jones is the guy you want because he's still the guy who's, in the, who's involved in the passing game the most. But we have to see what happens here. Look, Ronald Jones is somebody who's been fumbling the ball. He's somebody who hasn't been that effective in the running game. And they still have been using Peyton Barber in the red zone, which has been kind of annoying. They said they're going to move on to Ronald Jones. He was going to be the lead feature back. But that really has not been the case ever since he fumbled that first game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Peyton Barber is still very much involved. So, yes, Ronald Jones is leading the way as far as touches go. Yes, because he's the main pass catcher they've been utilizing, he's the guy you want. But he's nothing more than a low-end flex play, even in a game against the Atlanta Falcons. I'm not touching Peyton Barber with a 10-foot pole. Don't do that to yourself. Let someone else make that mistake. I hate running backs who can only fall forward for three yards. Yeah, he's been finding he's been having a knack of ways of finding ways to get in the end zone as of late, which has just been mind-blowing to me. But don't don't bank on it, especially if you can help it. I know this is a tough bye week though, so you might not. You just might want. It might be a situation where it's just like the tight ends, where you just want to have somebody who might have a chance to fall into the end zone. Yeah, he does have the opportunity with the way he's been playing as of late, but I wouldn't want to trust it if I could all avoid it. On the Falcon side of the ball, it's pretty clear cut who you guys have to play. Playing Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. The question is, who outside of that? Right? Do you trust Brian Hill after the week that he just had? I don't know that you do, but at the same time, I don't expect Devontae Freeman to play in this game. So Brian Hill would still be somebody who's going to have a workhorse role. It's a tough matchup against Tampa Bay, just like it was a tough match. It wasn't as, it's a, well, I should say, it was a tough match against Tampa Bay as it was not against Carolina last week where he didn't do much. Now, keep in mind, he should have scored last week had it not been called back due to a penalty. So that does matter. He was given that opportunity because a lot of people who didn't watch the game have come out and tried to say that Quadri Allison was the guy who vultured him. He came in after that, but Brian Hill was given the opportunity to score, and he did score had it not been called back on a holding penalty. So I'm not too concerned about this at the end of the day. But what we have moving forward is a question mark, right? Because you have Tampa Bay, who's a really good run defense. Brian Hill has to be involved in the passing game in this game in order for him to maintain his value. And he's still a flex play to me because they still gave him the workhorse role. He still had all the touches. So he's still going to have value. And a week in which you're going to have four teams on by, a lot of key ones, I don't know how many other guys you're going to find that have volume play to them. Look, if you find yourself in a situation where you're willing to play Kalen Balaj, I'm still playing Brian Hill over a Kalen Balaj. Now, yes, that's kind of the area which we're talking here. Workhorse running backs who aren't very good, and Lord knows what kind of production you're actually going to get out of them. But I'm still going to play him over types like that. So kind of keep that in mind as you're looking through your matchups this week. But he's not a must-play if you have a better matchup, a better situation. But he is somebody who's going to be a workhorse role for you. The other guy I want to talk about in this game is Russell Gage. Third pass catcher on the team. Would have had a touchdown also last week had it not been called back due to penalty. And while I expect this to be, A, a great matchup for the Atlanta Falcons passing game altogether, but B, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones to dominate the touches. Now, Julio's a little bit banged up, so we'll see. But Russell Gage is somebody who has sneaky played. Now, I like Russell Gage a lot more in DFS tournament plays. That's for sure. But he's somebody who I think is in the lower end wide receiver four upside category because he's still the third pass catcher in a great matchup against Tampa Bay. He's still somebody that they take shots to every so often. They work him in. They let him play the true slot role every so often as well when they're not moving Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones into that spot. 
So because of that, he does get some mismatches. If you're just looking for somebody who can hit a home run with and you need a pop somewhere this week because you're horrendously surrendered by bye weeks, Russell Gage is somebody who could be a sneaky little pickup for you guys. Now, he's going to have a low floor. He's going to have a wide range of outcomes. So I'm not trying to tell you that he's a safe play, but he is somebody that I think you can plug and play and hope to hit a home run off of. Next game I want to talk about here is the Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills. We don't have... We don't have to spend much time on this game. There's not a lot of fantasy value to be talked about here. Philip Lindsay, you'll play him. Royce Freeman, you will not. They have definitely, for whatever reason, since coming out of their bye week and since starting Brandon Allen, have decided that they are going to stick with Philip Lindsay as the main rusher, and Royce Freeman has now officially become more of a handcuff. Now, he's a more active handcuff than most, but he's getting about half the touches to Philip Lindsay now, where it was a pretty close 50-50 split. It's looking more like it was a year ago moving forward now that Brandon Allen has taken over, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And against the Buffalo Bills, a team that has been gashed in the run, I think Philip Lindsay actually has some low-end RB2 expectations on him this week and could have a chance to have a pretty big game. So I do think he's going to be fine there. Cortland Sutton, you have to play him. I know it's against Tredavious White. I know against the Buffalo Bills defense, but Cortland Sutton, no matter how bad the matchup is, no matter how bad the circumstances have been around his own team with Brandon Allen and Joe Flacco, because there's no more Emmanuel Sanders, because Cortland Sutton himself is a budding star wide receiver, I think you have to play him this game. The one thing about the Buffalo Bills is that they don't shadow. So as long as they keep moving Cortland Sutton around, which they have done the past few weeks, I still think this is a guy who has a safe floor for you, a safe wide receiver three floor, even in a tough matchup, because he's getting all of the volume. And he's the only one who can actually do something with it on this team right now. So I expect Cortland Sutton to have a big game in this one. No offense, not streaming worthy for me in this matchup against the Buffalo Bills, but if he continues to get the volume he has over the past couple of weeks, he will be fantasy relevant. He will be stream worthy moving forward without a doubt. So look for Noah Fant after this week to to start to get on my streaming radar for the tight end position, but I'm avoiding him for this game. On the Buffalo Bills side of the ball, you don't love Josh Allen. He's not a streaming quarterback to me in my eyes in this week. It's the Denver Broncos defense that, even though this team has not won very many games, has played really tough and has been a tough defense to move against. I know Kirk Cousins came back in that game as of late, but that was Kirk Cousins at home. Josh Allen's not that accurate. I expect the Denver Broncos in this matchup to take control. So I don't really love Josh Allen here. I don't love John Brown here. He's going to see a lot of Chris Harris. He's going to shadow him. Chris Harris has been shutting down everyone this season absolutely everyone. So I don't expect a lot of success in that way either. Now, as far as anybody else goes, Devin Singletary is what we want to talk about. I don't. He doesn't have a great matchup either. Look, the Denver Broncos, ever since the first two weeks of the season, have been pretty good against the run. They've been tackling really well. They haven't been getting gashed. They haven't been giving up big plays. And with Frank Gore not going away, yeah, I think you can. You might be able to find better options than Devin Singletary this week. You might be able to find guys who have better floors than Devin Singletary this week. And being that I don't think he has a particularly high ceiling, I would go with those guys. Now, you might not have a better option, and if you don't, that's fine. Devin Singletary is still a fine play. He's still an RB3 because he's still going to be a lead back on a team that should have to try to run the football. And it's not like the game script is going to get out of hand in this game either. I expect this to be a very ugly game. But... You want somebody with some more upside, I believe, because I don't expect his ceiling to be very high. You're really hoping that he falls into the end zone in this game to have a good fantasy day for you. 
Next game we want to talk about New York Giants, Chicago Bears. Look, in this matchup, it's going to be tough for Daniel Jones and company. I expect them to be under pressure quite a bit. I expect quite a few turnovers in this game. And yes, I'm going to start off with the Giants. We'll talk about Chicago in a second. Sterling Shepard is practicing. There actually is an expectation that he has a legitimate chance to play this week. That changes a lot of things for a lot of people when you're talking about the Giants. Because all of a sudden now, Golden Tate is not in a position to get heavily targeted. Darius Slayton's not in a position to get the targets he needs to be fantasy relevant. Or should I say, he needs to be to have a decent floor to his game. Because if you play Darius Slayton, while I don't mind the matchup against Chicago, I know they're tough because that front seven so tough. They get so much pass rush that it's hard to let plays develop. But their secondary doesn't scare me. And this is Darius Slayton. This is a guy who only needs one play to make something happen. That's been his whole MO. I mean, that game where he had 14 targets, that was an outlier. That's not something you're used to him, used to seeing out of him. What you're used to seeing is that this is a guy, he just needs one play, one time to be fantasy relevant that day. He is the ultimate home run flyer. With Sterling Shepard back in the lineup, I do think it takes away the chances for him to get those more than normal target share that he was getting, especially in that last week. Now, we don't expect Evan Ingram to play this week. We still expect it to be a couple more weeks before he's able to return. But given that, I still think that's more targets for Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, than it does for Darius Slayton. Although he will still have a role. But just kind of lower your expectations there. Know what you're getting yourself into. Don't think that because Darius Slayton had his big target game that all of a sudden he's going to become this number one wide receiver for Daniel Jones. He's not. It's still going to be Golden Tate because I still think Sterling Shepard's going to be working his way back. I still think Sterling Shepard's going to be a high risk this week. So from that sense, you have to kind of Lower your expectations. Know what you're getting yourself into. I wouldn't play Shepard this week. I wouldn't. Not in his first week back in months. Not when he's such a high risk for a reconcussion injury if he's hit the right way. But it does lower my expectations for Darius Slayton. I do believe you can play Golden Tate as a wide receiver three this week. Look, it's a safe target share. He's going to probably get six to nine targets. It's not like Golden Tate doesn't have a history from the Detroit Lions of carving up the Bears even when there have been good defenses in the past. So I don't worry about that either. Daniel Jones is going to be really bad. That's going to be the key. All these wide receivers, all these pass catchers have low floors because Daniel Jones could be absolutely horrendous in this game and it wouldn't surprise anyone. So that's why Golden Tate's no more than wide receiver three. That's why I'm not playing Sterling Shepard and that's why I'm only playing Darius Slate if I need a home run. Saquon Barkley is the only safe play in this game. Look, Bears have shown you you can run against them. Saquon Barkley is a special talent. He has a bye week to try to get healthier, try to get a little more right than what he was before we saw him. I expect him to have a decent game in this one. Not that you wouldn't play Saquon Barkley anyway. But on the Chicago Bears side of the ball, so this is where we have all the questions, right? What's Mitchell Trubisky going to do? Are they actually going to play Mitchell Trubisky? Now, he did practice in full on Wednesday, but we all know they're lying about the hip pointer injury. So it's really a matter of, are they going to try to use the injury as an excuse by the end of the week to play Chase Daniel? Or are they going to go back to Mitchell Trubisky? Now, here's what I'm going to say. Well, I'm going to say two things. But the first thing I'm going to say is that if they bench Mitchell Trubisky again, he has to stay benched. This is a guy that pretty much publicly we've all known struggles with confidence. And if you're going to bench him at the end of a game, which you're only down by 10 points and had a fighting chance to come back in that one, and then come back and play him, if you bench him again after that, you might as well just pack it up and go. Move on. Play Chase Daniel the rest of the way. Because he's going to have zero confidence to be able to do anything 
moving forward. Not that he has been doing anything to begin with up until this point. And that brings me to my second point, which is Chase Daniel should play. Chase Daniel should be the guy that you go with in this game. Look, if you're an Allen Robinson owner, you need Chase Daniel to be the quarterback in this game. This is a plus match against the Giants. If you can't play Allen Robinson, if you can't get a decent fantasy game out of him in this week, you're not going to be able to go, you're not going to be able to at all down the stretch in the rest of the season. You need Chase Daniel to play. You need a guy who's actually going to put the ball in a spot that you at least give him a chance and some opportunities. Right now, that's not Mitchell Trubisky. Right now, he can't hit the broad side of a barn. You need it to be Chase Daniel. So as an Allen Robinson owner, you're, you're keeping fingers crossed that they do bench Mitchell Trubisky. But we're all waiting to see what happens. We haven't had word about that yet. They just keep talking about him being day-to-day, and he, keep, he keeps practicing in full. That's all we know. So we'll wait to see exactly what they decide at the end of the day. But uh, Matt Nagy, they got to change something. And the only change right now that you can make that would be of any difference would be the quarterback situation. David Montgomery, either way, I think is a good safe play in this one. I think he's a, he returns to low-end RB2 in this game. Look, as far as the ankle injury goes, he definitely wasn't 100% himself against the Rams. But it's not a, that's not an easy matchup for them to go, to go by. And it was a weird game script, low scoring. This is a plus matchup here. This is a game in which I expect them either way, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Chase Daniel, to run the ball at least 20 times with David Montgomery. If they do that against the Giants, he will put up RB2 production. He'll have a great chance to fall in the end zone. He'll even have a decent chance to get over 100 yards, but he should have a pretty solid game no matter how you slice it. So I do expect 100% unequivocally David Montgomery returns to RB2 territory this week. You plug and play him in your lineups. And that's it. That's all. Allen Robinson... David Montgomery, I'm not trusting Tariq Cohen because it's not a game script like against the Rams where they might necessarily have to throw the football, where he was clearly the mismatch they needed against the Rams. It might not be so much the case. This could be more of a David Montgomery game, so I'm not trusting Tariq Cohen if I can at all help it either. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Hello and welcome back, Sportscaster. Okay, so for those of you on the audio who might be terribly, terribly confused, I just had to stop the podcast because apparently the first half of this show was experiencing technical difficulties being streamed on the Sportscaster and the broadcast was not actually going out. So I'm not sure exactly what happened there. I think we have everything squared away now. So we are back live on Sportscaster. So if you've been waiting around for the last half hour, I apologize for the inconvenience. Didn't know it was happening until just now. Keep in mind, this is the Week 12 preview Thursday night game and early Sunday games. Now, I'm not going to go back over the first half of these games because of the crowd we have the audio version. But what I am going to do is I'm going to press forward with the second half of the show. We'll still have our mailbag segment at the end. If you have a question and you're watching on Sportscaster, drop it in the chat. I will get to you as part of the episode. And then what I will do on Sportscaster only after this show is over, I will go back and then I will... Uh, put out the first half of this episode and re-record it on Sportscaster so you guys watching right now can get all the information that we just talked about in the audio version if you'd rather watch. Or if you'd rather just have it all in sync, make sure you're checking out the podcast 
on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, Pinecast, anywhere you go, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. Okay, so now that everyone on the audio version and on Sportscasters all caught up with exactly what's going on right now, we can go ahead and move forward. So the next game that I was going to be talking about is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers matchup. Now, in this game, I don't expect a lot of high-scoring points, right? I expect this game to be kind of similar to what we saw against Oakland last week. Look, the Steelers have a good defense. They have a decent run game, even without James Conner, which they do expect to be without him this week. You expect to miss at least one more, maybe even more after this. We don't know exactly yet. We're still waiting on actual details for a timetable when it comes to his shoulder. But right now, this is what we're looking at. A team that does can run the ball and just play defense in order to win. And because Cincinnati Bengals can't do anything offensively anyway, I don't expect this to be a particularly high-scoring game. I don't expect this to be a game where the Steelers take advantage necessarily. Now, here's what we do know. We do know that Deontay Johnson actually has a chance to come back and play. He practiced in full on Wednesday. So as a result, it's usually a good sign when coming off a concussion injury. If you can practice full on Wednesday, pretty good indication you'll be able to come back and play on Sunday more times than not. Not saying it's for sure, but more times than not, that winds up being the case. I do like Deontay Johnson as a high-end wide receiver for with upside. Look, even with the Steelers having all of their players healthy. Deontay Johnson's been the guy Mason Rudolph has trusted the most, gone to the most, and at least the most consistently anyway. And in this plus match against the Cincinnati Bengals, who don't have Kirkpatrick, who don't shadow with William Jackson, even though he's pretty much washed up at this point anyway, let's let's be honest, I do believe that Deontay Johnson will have a decent game in this one if he plays, if he plays. Now, let's say he doesn't play, because the, the early week expectations was that they didn't expect Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster or James Conner to play. So what if that happens? Well, then all of a sudden, it would be James Washington. But I don't like James Washington in this game. Look, Mason Rudolph hasn't gone to him consistently. That's number one. Number two, James Washington has been a major disappointment all season long. With the role that people expected him to do, with the development that people expected to see, that has not come to fruition. So while James Washington is somebody who offers wide receiver for and a safe floor, and this is, we're talking if Deontay Johnson does not play. That's what we're saying right now. If Deontay Johnson does not play. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He has some wide receiver for because of the volume share that he may be seeing, but it's still not something I trust. I don't think he has a particularly high ceiling, and I would try to stay away. I think you can find better matchups, guys in better situations than James Washington this week. That's only if Deontay Johnson doesn't play. Like I said, I want to emphasize that point because if he does play, then you're, you're not even thinking about James Washington. He's not even a wide receiver five at that point. 
Johnson would be the only wide receiver that you could possibly play on the Pittsburgh Steelers side of the ball. There's going to be no Schuster this week. Between the concussion and the knee injury, there's just no expectation that he will play. So that will be even more volume for Johnson just set there right for him, just waiting for him on on Sunday. So I like him quite a bit, especially in a heavy bye week and a plug-and-play start. Now, as far as James Conner missing, yes, obviously you have to play Jalen Samuels. It's the slowest thing in the world. You hate it watching him run. Now, he'll be involved in the passing game, and that's really, at the end of the day, all you really care about. He's going to be one of the safest plays that you can have this week against Cincinnati Bengals for a terrible run defense. So if there was a game in which Jalen Samuels could give you actually something productive on the ground, it would be this matchup against the Bengals. And I think it just goes out saying you're going to play him with no James Conner expected. I think the question becomes, what happens behind him? Does Trey Edmonds, does Benny Snell, do they get involved in the mix? And really, outside of Trey Edmonds' one game, we haven't really seen that be the case. We don't really have evidence to back up that idea. And in this match against Cincinnati Bengals, it's not like they need to go to anybody else. So I don't trust Trey Edmonds. I don't trust Benny Snell. You can trust Jalen Samuels in this one. That's about it. So stay away from any ideas of, oh, well, if Edmonds is the main runner or if Snell is the main runner, maybe they could be flex plays. No, stay away. I don't care if it's the Cincinnati Bengals. There hasn't been enough evidence to support any other running back being involved enough in the offense to be able to trust and play them this week. Obviously, Mason Rudolph is not a streaming quarterback. I don't care if he's in the Cincinnati Bengals. This guy's been awful. It hasn't been all his fault, though. I want to put it out. Everyone's ready to jump down Mason Rudolph's fault. It's actually not all his fault. I blame a lot on his offensive play caller. I blame a lot on the play calling. Because Mason Rudolph doesn't have a bad arm, and yet they put such baby gloves on him. They don't allow him to go deep. They don't allow him to rip it. Look, he's not a guy, he's not a spread it out thinking dunk quarterback. That's not what he does. Never was what he did in college. What he is is a guy who takes shots down the field, who throws out patterns outside of the hashes, play action bombs. That's his game. If they're not going to allow him to play his game, then yeah, not only is he going to suffer, obviously, but everyone around him suffers to some degree. It's been one of the most maddening things about Juju Smith-Schuster, because I thought Schuster could actually still have value this season, even when Ben Robsberger went out, because I watched Mason Rudolph play in college. I know what his game was, and if the play caller has done nothing to help out this offense, nothing to help out Mason Rudolph. That's why Deontay Johnson's the only guy you can consider. But enough about that, because at the end of the day, all you're playing is Johnson, playing Samuels. If you're absolutely desperate, I think you can give Vance McDonald a look. I think this is a game in which he should see a good amount of target share, especially no Juju Smith-Schuster. And this is a game that he can take advantage of. The Cincinnati Bengals are terrible against the tight ends. So I do think he's a lower-end streaming option, but still only a lower-end option because he still has not been involved enough on a consistent basis. For those of you tuning in the Sportscaster, I can see there's being more and more people are jumping in now. Just to keep in mind, for some reason, we got cut off due to technical difficulty issues, so we did not get the first half of this episode actually live on air. You're listening to the second half of the Week 12 preview, Thursday Night Football, uh, you know, early Sunday games. We will have the mailbag segment at the end. If you're watching, you want to drop a fantasy question for you in the, in the chat that's available on Sportscaster, I will get to your questions as part of the episode at the end. So make sure you go ahead and take advantage of that. Now, moving on, Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball. You can play Joe Mixon. That's it. That's all you can play. Look, and even then, I don't love the match. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been great against the run, but Joe Mixon has been getting you such good volume. 
that he has a safe floor going into this matchup. With Ryan Finley, the one thing is they had to recommit themselves to the run, and it's worked to some degree. The offensive line is getting healthier. We expect Cordy Glenn to play in this game. So that's given them some upside, some capabilities to be able to do something on the ground. And the biggest thing is that he's been able to be back involved in the passing game, which I don't know why he was ever not involved in the passing game to begin with, but he is again now. And that's been the biggest thing has been boosting his floor moving forward. He's getting so much work. You have to go ahead and play him. Play him. Outside of that, that's it. We don't know if we're going to, we're probably not going to have Alden Tate this game. Tyler Boyd, I get it. He's going to be the number one targeted wide receiver without a doubt. But given the matchup, given that the slot receiver does not dominate the Pittsburgh Steelers like it used to because Minka Fitzpatrick has been unreal this season, I don't know how you trust Tyler Boyd with Ryan Finley right now. He's still rosterable in my mind because he's the number one wide receiver, but he has very little upside. You are only playing him. You're hoping for six catches for 60 yards. And the only way I would play him is in a PPR league. That's the only way he's ever going to get double-digit points. That's all you can hope for. So I think you can find better plays, better matchups with more upside. They're going to help you in a pivotal Week 12. Next thing we want to talk about, because we have to, Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns. Look, this game shouldn't be so bad, especially if you're a fantasy owner. Baker Mayfield, I'm actually, I'm going to bite the bullet. Baker Mayfield is going to wind up in a quarterback streaming territory for me when my rankings come out later on today on www.mdffshow.com, the website. You can go ahead, check out the rankings. You can email me from there. You can watch the latest video streams on Sportscaster. You can do all of that right from there. But he is going to be a streaming quarterback for me against Miami Dolphins. Look, that Dolphins defense cures a lot of woes. It really does. And a game in which they have been trying so hard and so desperately to get Odell Beckham Jr. back involved. If there was ever a game to actually see that production come to fruition, it would be this one. I think Beckham can be a wide receiver too, just out of sheer circumstance. You could play Jarvis Landry as a solid wide receiver three option. He's actually been the one guy who's been solid for this team moving forward anyway. He's been the guy who has had the safe floor. He's been the guy who, believe it or not, has been getting worked in in the red zone. So you can play Jarvis Landry as a safe wide receiver three as well. We're not expecting David Njoku back this week, but there's a chance that he does come back next week. So he's somebody I've been talking about in the waiver wire reports. If you need tight end help and you're playoff bound and you want to make a stash play for the tight end spot, that's somebody who I'm looking at because their schedule does get a little bit better second half of the season. They have been known to even utilize Ricky Seals-Jones from time to time, Demetrius Harris from time to time. So when David Njoku comes back, I think there's a role there that he can at least give you a decent floor at a future position. So I just wanted to mention David Njoku real quick right there. Nick Chubb, hey, he's still been getting 20 carries even with them working in Kareem Hunt more and more, right? So against the Miami Dolphins, there's no reason to think Nick Chubb cannot give you an RB1 performance even if he doesn't get involved in the passing game in this week. Kareem Hunt, PPR leagues only, has flex appeal. He's not involved enough in the rushing game. And in a game in which the Browns shouldn't have to throw the football all that much to win, and if they are going to throw the football, I would think they would take this opportunity to get the receivers back involved. I don't know how much volume he's really going to be looking at this week. Now, because he is the pass down back, clearly, and because it is the Dolphins matchup, I think if he just gets five targets, he might be able to do something decent with it, which is why I say he does have some flex appeal in PPR leagues. But that's about it. 
And I wouldn't have a super high expectation on it because the volume is not quite going to be there. So there wouldn't be a great floor for him. You're just hoping because it's the Dolphins, because he might see five targets, he'll be able to do something with the ball. But he's a little bit more riskier this week than he had been for the past couple of weeks and for the weeks that he will be moving forward just because of this expected game script that we'll see in this one. On the Dolphins' side of the ball, play Devontae Parker. He had a great game against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are a much scarier secondary, much scarier defense, a much scarier matchup than the Cleveland Browns are. Yeah, they have Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. The Bills are Tredavious White. It did not matter. The volume is there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing 50-50 balls. He's throwing down the field. Devontae Parker is showing why he does have physical ability, why he was a first-round pick all those years ago. He has that physicality. He has that talent, and he's been able to utilize it now that he's been their number one wide receiver. He's been good. He's been a top-end wide receiver three. He's been a borderline wide receiver two over the last month and a half now. Play Devontae Parker. I don't know why people are struggling to do this. You can play him with confidence, but that's it. You're not going to play Kalen Balazs. You're not not, going to play the nine carries for nine yards guy. I don't. He might fall into the end zone again. Do you really want to take that chance? I don't. Make someone else make that mistake. Make someone else that desperate. Don't play him. You're not going to stream Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're not going to play Mike Kosicki. There's just not a, there's not enough safe floorness, safe volume out of this offense to be able to trust a second pass catcher right now who wasn't named Preston Williams anymore because he's gone for the rest of the season. So it's Devontae Parker, nobody else. Next game we want to talk about, Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints. This game is interesting for several different reasons, right? First of all, here's who you're definitely going to play because we shouldn't have to talk too much about it. Drew Brees, yep. Alan Kamara, yep. Michael Thomas, yep. Now, what do you do with Jared Cook and Latavius Murray? That becomes the question here. I think Latavius Murray has flex appeal, especially in standard leagues, um, not so much in full-point PPR leagues, not so much in half-point PPR leagues, But if you're in standard leagues and maybe half-point PPR leagues, depending on what you have available to you, I do think Latavius Murray is a decent play here. He's been getting double-digit touches over the past couple of weeks since they come out of the bye and since Alvin Kamara has come back into the mix. So that's been the good news. They've gone back since Drew Brees has come back to giving him more of a Mark Ingram-type role. Now, it's still not on the same volume level that Mark Ingram was operating on, but it's close enough where in a plus matchup against the Carolina Panthers, who are known for giving up rushing touchdowns, and Latavius Murray still gets his share at the goal line when given those opportunities. I do believe that Latavius Murray is a touchdown candidate this week against the Panthers, therefore making him a flex-appeal guy. Now, he doesn't have a high floor because... It could be just as likely that he suddenly bottoms out on you or doesn't get utilized because Kamara has this huge game. So it wouldn't be surprising. He doesn't have this big floor, but he is somebody who has touchdown potential this week, making him a flex-worthy appeal type of guy. Jared Cook, Panthers are pretty good against the tight ends, but somebody else has to emerge as the third pass catcher outside of Michael Thomas, outside of Alvin Kamara. And because you can expect the Panthers to be putting all their resources into those two guys, even though that hasn't worked for anybody as of yet to be able to stop those two, it should leave Jared Cook in some plus opportunities, especially in the red zone. And they have been utilizing him in that role. I still have him as a tight end too, but for a guy who might be out there on some waiver wires, who isn't necessarily in the tight end one category, is somebody who has some streamability capabilities this game. So I do think Jared Cook should be someone on the cusp of your starting lineup, depending on what you have available to you at the tight end position. 
Remember, he still had a touchdown last week. So he's still being utilized in that role. Now, Panther side of the ball. Let's, once again, you know you're going to play Christian McCaffrey. You know you're going to play DJ Moore. That goes without saying. What do you do about Curtis Samuel? I think that's really the only question. And with Greg Olson, I'm not playing Greg Olson. So let's just get that out of the way right now. The Saints are really good against the tight end position. There's Kyle Allen's been absolutely horrendous. I kind of expect him to be horrendous again in this game, which really lowers the ceiling of everybody involved. But especially Greg Olson, as more times than not, he winds up being the odd man out. So I would not touch Greg Olson with a 10-foot pole this week. Even if you're desperate for a tight end, I wouldn't. I think there's other tight ends who have more of an opportunity to score and fall into the end zone that will give you more value than Greg Olson in this matchup against the New Orleans Saints. So stay away. Curtis Samuel, what are you going to do about this guy? Because believe it or not, being that he's not a touchdown type of wide receiver, he is touchdown dependent. He is very much so. If he doesn't score, he turns in a terrible fantasy day every single game this season. Last week, he goes for four catches, 25 yards. And believe it or not, that's been more commonly his stat line when he does not score. So we have to kind of keep that in mind. And the Saints played pretty good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. A very pass-heavy offense. Yes, Chris Godwin's the one who wound up scoring. Yes, they have no Marshawn Lattimore. It didn't really seem to matter. And while I would normally be saying, hey, look, I expect the Saints to score, especially at home. I expect the Panthers, at the very least, to have volume in the passing game. They threw the ball 50 times last week, and Curtis Samuel only had four catches for 25 yards, and which should have been a plus match against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I know the Falcons have been playing better defense as of late, but that's neither here nor there, because the Saints' defense is still better than theirs. So what do you have to really expect? What has to go your way? The only thing would be is that they have the volume, and he's able to score. And you look at it as like Chris Godwin scored. He's going to have the same, same type of matchups. Maybe Curtis Samuel will have that opportunity to score in this game as well. But because Kyle Allen has been so horrendous, because I expect him to be horrendous again in this game, it really lowers the floor. So Curtis Samuel to me is nothing more than a wide receiver four who does have some upside. But you got to be really sitting there with no other better options because he has such a low floor going into this game. That it's really untrustworthy. And a lot of it's not his fault. A lot of it's because of his quarterback play and the matchup against the Saints at home in this one. But on paper, I'm just warning you guys because on paper, he has a matchup. On paper, people are going to tell you to play Curtis Samuel against the Saints. What I'm telling you is that lower those expectations. Because right now, with the way they have been playing as of late, you can't expect him to go off. You can't expect him to definitely score. You can't expect Kyle Allen to play well. So just keep that in mind. Next game up, Oakland Raiders, New York Jets. There's going to be a lot of fantasy points scored in this game. It's not going to be a great game to watch. It's going to probably be a more ugly type of boring game, but there's going to be a lot of fantasy points scored in this game. Le'Veon Bell, obviously you play him. Jameson Crowder, I think at this point, obviously you play him. He's had three weeks in a row now where he scored. He has the most consistency as far as the pass catchers of the Jets go, as long as Sam Darnold has been the quarterback. It's a plus match against the Oakland Raiders. You play Jameson Crowder. Outside of that, you're not playing Robbie Anderson. You're not playing Demarius Thomas because it doesn't matter what the matchup is. Which one of those guys gets involved? Who knows? And it could be neither. The guy I am going to play that's not named Le'Veon Bell or Jameson Crowder is Ryan Griffin. He should be and was my number one tight end pickup of the week at the waiver wire report. And he should be a guy who's picked up on your team if you're looking for tight end help. 
He's had a safe floor. He's had a role carved out for him in this offense, believe it or not. I, I haven't seen the tight end be utilized since Julius Thomas and Adam Gase offense, but because they're not utilizing the outside perimeter wide receivers and they're just utilizing the middle of the field, all of a sudden Ryan Griffin has a role for himself. And this is not just because he had the big game last week. He's had other big games so far. He's been productive over the past few weeks, especially with Chris Herndon gone now. And the Oakland Raiders are putrid against the tight end. Putrid. So Ryan Griffin has an opportunity to score this game. This is somebody I think you could pick up and play. I like him a lot if you're looking for a DFS tight end who's going to be really cheap. So Ryan Griffin has some value here. On the Raiders side of the ball, it's pretty much set what you're going to do. You're going to play Darren Waller. You're going to play Tyrell Williams. You're going to play Josh Jacobs. And yes, if you're in a situation where you got you know torn up by the bye week this week, which is a very likely situation because we, you know, Kansas City Chiefs, Chargers, Minnesota Vikings, uh, these, these are just those three teams alone. We have a fourth team, but just those three teams alone have a lot of top end fantasy talent that people aren't going to have this week. Hunter Renfro is a guy, especially in PPR leagues, you can go ahead and plug and play. Wally only put up 17 points against the Cincinnati Bengals last week, and I talked about a little bit about this in the podcast earlier this week. It still impressed me the role that he had in that game. He still had six catches in a game in which they were playing very conservative, in which Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller both got their workload as well, and Hunter Renfro was still a part of the mix. So it's sometimes it's games like that, situations like that, that give you the indication that you can trust these guys moving forward, that they have floors that you can sink your teeth into. Hunter Renfro is that guy in bye weeks, or I'm sorry, in PPR leagues especially in a bye week, which is what I meant to say. So Hunter Renfro, to me, is somebody who's a wide receiver four that you can plug in at your flex play and have a safe floor expectation. And he's somebody who has been scoring a little bit here and there over the past few weeks. So a touchdown against the Jets, not out of the question, especially in the slot wide receiver position. Derek Carr's a streaming quarterback this week. He's been playing pretty well. And with all of his weapons having plus matchups this week, I think things are going to be really easy for him. Now, you can't expect a big ceiling. He's not a guy who's going to go for 350 yards and three touchdowns. It's not his game. But could you expect somewhere between 250 and 300 yards with two touchdowns? Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. And because he doesn't turn over the ball all that much, you're not going to have too many negative points sent your way either. So yeah, I think Derek Carr is going to be pretty serviceable this week against the Jets and somebody you can pick up and stream and play with confidence. Remember, he's not going to have a high ceiling, but he's going to have a solid floor for you this week. Next game and last game that we're going to talk about in this podcast. Again, if you're just tuning in for Sportscaster, and I have to keep putting this out there. If you're just tuning in to Sportscaster, we had technical difficulties in the first half of this show. So this is the second half of the show that you've been watching. If you have a fantasy question, we're still going to do the mailbag segment after this. Drop it in the chat. I will get to your question as part of the episode. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going to go back on Sportscaster only and re-record the first half of this show so you guys are getting all the information that you need, the Thursday night preview and the few early Sunday afternoon games that we already talked about before you tuned back in, before we had the difficulties all sorted out. If you're listening on the audio version, we'll talk about this game and then come back with the mailbag segment on the other side and then wrap up the podcast. All right, so now for the Detroit Lions, Washington Redskins. Bo Scarball, he was one of the top pickups of the week for the running back position. You're looking for guys to fill in the bye. He has a great matchup. Can you trust the workload, the rotation the Detroit Lions have at the running back position right now? The answer to that is no, but he played well enough last week where he should be the lead back. 
And because Ty Johnson has had his opportunities and has done absolutely nothing with them, and because J.D. McKissick, we all know, is really nothing more than a pass-catching down back and not a guy who can really line up between the tackles very often, I expect Bo Scarball to at least get his chance once again this week after having a good performance against the Dallas Cowboys last week. If he has another solid game, I do think he will be the lead back moving forward. So this is a guy that has value for you this week that I think you can plug and play as a flex guy, as an RB3, and could wind up actually having season-long value for you and have a floor that you can sink your teeth into moving forward. I think all of that is a possibility. But it comes down to him being able to take advantage of this opportunity against the Washington Redskins, which is a very good chance that he'll be able to because the Redskins have been horrendous against the run. So I do think you can play Bo Scarball. As far as everybody else goes, Jeff Driscoll, Probably, if not, my number one streaming quarterback, and we'll find out later on today when my rankings come out on my website, www.mdffshow.com. He'll be at least among my top streaming quarterbacks of the week. He's played really well the last two weeks in a row, and it's got a plus matchup here. The only question you really have in this game is, what can you expect out of Kenny Galladay, who's had a tough time with Jeff Driscoll taking over? He hasn't had the same target share. And outside of the one bomb that he had against Chicago, he really hasn't done much from a fantasy perspective since he's taken over. Marvin Jones had two touchdowns last week. Nobody really had more than 50 yards receiving. So these are some questions that have to be asked. But I think you have to play Galladay. If you can't play Galladay against the Washington Redskins, who are you going to play him against? We don't know when Matthew Stafford's going to come back. We don't know if Matthew Stafford will come back, quite frankly. Especially if they win this game. But... You have to play Kenny Galladay this week. He's more of a wide receiver three than a wide receiver two because he's going to have such a wide range of outcomes, but he has to be in your starting lineups, I believe, this particular week. Same thing can be said for Marvin Jones. Look, one of these guys is going to score. They both have low floors because whichever one doesn't score is going to probably have a terrible fantasy day for you. So it just depends on what you want to do. But Marvin Jones, a more lower end wide receiver three, because I do believe going into this game, there's going to be more of an emphasis to get Galladay the ball because they haven't really done that the past couple of weeks with Jeff Driscoll. So while he's done a good job spreading it out, I do think there'll be an emphasis to go that way. So I think Marvin Jones has to be ranked a little bit lower, a little bit unsafer, if you will. But is somebody who has a touchdown capability. He proved it to you last week. You can plug and play him as a wide receiver three, a flex play for you this week if you're just looking for somebody that has touchdown potential because he has that ability. I'm not going to play Danny Amendola. That's going to be the one wide receiver on the Lions that I'm not going to play. I know he had he was just as much of a rotation against Dallas as he was a week ago, but in this matchup where Galladay should have a plus matchup, Marvin Jones have a plus matchup, they should be able to run the football. I just don't see why the third wide receiver of this team would be able to join in uh, on any real volume circumstances. So I think he has the lowest floor of all. He never has the upside of a touchdown the way the other two do, so I'm not going to play Danny Amendola. I'm also not going to play TJ Hawkinson. I know it's it's, it's really maddening because he's such a good talent. You know he's going to be good in the future, and you know this is a great matchup, but you can't play him. He doesn't take advantage of the opportunities he's been given this so far this season. You can't do it. On the Redskins side of the ball, it's, it's bad. It's ugly. This is a game you want to play people, but you have Terry McLaurin who's going to get shadowed by Darius Slay on top of having his value cut because of the way Dwayne Haskins has played as of late. So I don't think you can play Terry McLaurin this week. I don't. Even with his talent, with his capabilities, what he's been able to do with the rapport that should be available between him and Dwayne Haskins, I don't think you can do it. 
And if you can't play Terry McLaurin, I don't know who else you're going to play in this matchup. Look, they might go to Darius Geis as the lead back in this game. It wouldn't surprise me if he outtouches Adrian Peterson. But Adrian Peterson isn't going to go away. And now Chris Thompson returned back to practice. So now he should be in the mix. He should have a pass down role. I don't think you can play any one of the three Redskins backs until there's some clarity that comes out of there, until it becomes clear what they want to do moving forward. It should be a lean on Darius Geis because it should be to see what you have in your young guys. But with Bill Callahan, who the hell knows? With the fact that they don't want to move away from Adrian Peterson, who the hell knows? You can't play any Washington Redskin against the Detroit Lions. As maddening as that is, as much of a plus matchup as it should be, Unless you just want to take the chance and DFS with Terry McLaurin to be a, con- a contrarian play, you can't do it. Not if, you're, and not if your playoffs are on the line this week. There's no, no floor there with any of the players in the Redskins. So that's going to wrap up our preview for the Thursday night and the early games on the audio version. Remember, if you're just tuning in to Sportscaster, we had technical difficulties for the first half of this show. Once this is wrapped up, I am going to go back in five minutes with another live stream where I will talk about the first half of the games that we talked about, the Thursday night and the few early Sunday games that we talked about. We're about to jump into the mailbag segment now. I have a few pre-selected questions from people that have gotten to me on social media, as I always do every single week. But remember, if you're watching on the Sportscaster app right now or on the website, you can go ahead and drop your fantasy football question and I'll get to you as part of the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. So let's start the mailbag segment now. First off, picked up Artie from Facebook. He asked me, Bo Scarball or Carlos Hyde this week? It's a good question. It's a tough one. It depends on what you need, Artie. It depends on, do you need a safe floor or do you need more upside? Because if you need more upside, Bo Scarball has a better chance of having a 100-yard, one-touchdown game against the Washington Redskins than Carlos Hyde does against the Colts. Carlos Hyde, you're looking at a game where you're hoping for somewhere between 60 to 80 yards and a touchdown, which I think you have a solid chance of getting. But on the flip side of that, you're also dealing with the Detroit Lions team, we just talked about it a few minutes ago, that could wind up with some kind of crazy rotation that none of us are expecting because we've seen it happen already a la Chuck Carson coming out of nowhere, a la Ty Johnson suddenly gets you know 10 carries for no reason. So it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden they had a retarded rotation going up against the Washington Redskins and killing the value of Bo Scarball. It wouldn't surprise me. So he doesn't have a safe of a floor because with Carlos High, we know he's going to get 12 to 15 carries in this game. We know he's going to be the lead rusher. So we know what to expect, at least from a floor standpoint. So it completely depends on what you have. But in a Week 12 matchup, where we're all playing for playoffs right now, and you need tiebreakers, and mostly in most leagues, the tiebreaker is total points scored. I'm going to roll the dice on Bo Scarball this week. I'm going to roll the dice that he has a big game against the Washington Redskins and helps put your team over the top. So that's where I would lean. But look at your matchups. Look at what your team needs the most this week before you make that decision tonight. Next up, 
Ollie from email asked me, Crowder or Kareem Hunt in the flex? Now, Ollie did not say whether this was PPR, half-point PPR, or standard league. For the record, and when you ask me a question, please tell me what your scoring format is because that's way I can give you a more informed answer of what you should do in your circumstances. Now, if you don't tell me what it is and I select your question to be on the show, I'll just assume it's from a half-point PPR standpoint. So with that kept in mind, I'm still going James Crowder. I kind of talked about with the Cleveland preview. Kareem Hunt may not be as involved in this game as he has the past couple of weeks because he may not have to be because of the game script against the Miami Dolphins. So with that being said, he has such a low floor. James Crowder, who's on a three-touchdown streak right now in another plus matchup against the Oakland Raiders, a guy who has been pretty safe and consistent as far as the pass catchers go for the New York Jets. I do believe you can play Jameson Crowder this week. And I think he should be your guy over Kareem Hunt in the flex. I think he's got a good opportunity to score again. And I think you're looking at a guy who has as much of a lock as anybody to get you five catches for 80 yards. As anyone. So Jamison Crowder would definitely be the play for me. So the last pre-selected question I have for today's show is from Davinsky from Twitter. Asked me, Joe Mixon, Sony Michelle, or Debo Samuel? Again, didn't tell me what the scoring format was. So we're going to assume it from a half-point PPR. To me, it's pretty clear-cut. It's Joe Mixon. Yes, he doesn't have as good of a matchup as those other two do. Sony Michelle has a good matchup against Dallas. And Isaiah Wynn coming back does make that interesting. But he's not involved in the passing game at all. And... Isaiah Wynn himself might not be enough the first week back to have a big rushing game there. Although the Patriots, with some banged-up wide receivers like Mohamed Sanu and whatnot, may look to lean on the run more so against Dallas, which is where you can gut them at. But we'll talk about that in tomorrow's show. We're going to have the previews for the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games in a mailbag segment there tomorrow. Same time, same place, 10 a.m. Sportscaster, just so you guys are aware. Now, as far as... With Joe Mixon. The volume is there. He's a safe floor. You don't want to take too many chances in a week that you probably have to win. So keeping that in mind, Debo Samuel has a shoulder injury. Yes, he finished that game. But there's real question if he's really going to be able to play this week. Didn't practice yesterday. We'll have to keep our eyes on the reports. Make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow for those player news update notifications. As I will make sure I get those out to you. But we don't know exactly what we're going to walk into. We don't know if he'll definitely play. Emmanuel Sanders could be expected to be healthier this week and be more involved in the passing game as well. So, and I think that that 49er team, the way they're playing right now, I think only has enough volume for one wide receiver to be fantasy relevant at a time. And I do believe if Emmanuel Sanders is a little bit healthier, it will be him over Debo Samuel. So just from a floor standpoint, Davinsky, you have to go with Joe Mixon, because he has been involved in the passing game. He has a safe floor. He's got a good chance to score against Pittsburgh Steelers, because if anybody's going to score in Cincinnati Bengals, it's going to be Joe Mixon. So that's the route I would take there. That wraps it up for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Again, I'm sorry for technical difficulties on Sportscaster, but in five minutes from now, I'm going to go back with a second video that will go over the first half of this episode. For you guys listening on the audio version, we will be back tomorrow, as we always are, with the next show, Again, we'll be 10 a.m. on Sportscaster Live, but also have the audio version for you, and it will be the Week 12 Preview Part 2, which covers the late Sunday afternoon games, the Sunday night, the Monday night game, and, of course, another mailbag segment from you, the fans. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Good luck in tonight's matchup, and I will see you all again tomorrow.
Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.